emergency broadcast? I know, I know. I didn't really give you any time to react to the last one, but that story's developed, and now more things are happening in town, and... Uh, well, I've already set up all this radio equipment, and... And it's not like I have anyone else to report to. <laughs> report to? God, I'm not a real radio host. Talk to. I, I don't have anyone else to, to talk to. Technically. Things are not looking up here. I suppose they're not exactly looking down either. It's, it's difficult to sink lower than your town's authority figure committing murder. Things are progressing along a stagnant plateau of awful. Let's put it this way. How would you feel about walking past a cannibal on the street? Not positively, I imagine. Stay the hell away from ethics. Five days ago, a lifeboat washed up on the shore of Ethics Beach. Inside was the remains of fisherman Jordan Dean, who had been declared missing one week prior. Dean's left arm was dismembered, and he had sustained several stab wounds to the chest. In addition to this, chunks of his thigh had been torn off, seemingly by human teeth. His co-captain, Arnold Rogers, was also present in the lifeboat, fully intact. And though he was drenched in blood, forensics confirmed none of it was his own. Hmm. In hindsight, I, I should have thought to report that. I guess, I guess it just didn't strike me as weird at the time. I, I, I don't know how to use the radio. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Rogers was rushed immediately to hospital while police swarmed the beach. They made fast work of cordoning off the area, only then to pause confused. Had a crime been committed? Someone was dead, yes, but people die every day and that isn't always a crime. In fact, I'd go so far as to say it is usually not a crime. And even if Rogers had killed Dean, this seemed to fall under idiosyncratic circumstances, so perhaps it shouldn't be treated in quite the same manner as a cut-and-dry murder case. I... I... I wanted to ramble less this time, but I feel like I need to give some context. <sighs> Twelve days ago, local fishermen Jordan Dean and Arnold Rogers embarked on their daily fishing trip, during which they got caught in a storm. They called it the storm of the century at the time, but if you ask me, that's a meteorological error. Planet's dying, the storms are only going to get worse. At some point during their trip, disaster struck. 
Rogers claims they saw things going south and decided to evacuate to the emergency vessel. Promptly afterwards, they saw their fishing boat sink. This account seems to be reliable, as there have been no reports of a fishing boat washing up along the coastline. They brought with them what little supplies they could gather, which is to say, none. The men were stranded, with only a single flask of drinkable water each and a packet of mints Rogers carries in his pocket. Tossed in the midst of a tumultuous storm, not knowing when they would reach the shore or even the direction in which it lay, their situation was dire from the get-go. What occurred next is, well, quite literally what was up for debate today. The reason I'm recounting this story now is because Roger's trial was today. In traditional ethic style, anyone who had anything to say about a... Excuse me. And here's the development in our other story, Artemis. Are you okay? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're busy. No, 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 it's, it's, it's all right. Come, come in, come in. I thought this was an emergency broadcast. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, mm. Well, yeah, but it's... They didn't seem to take it that seriously last time. And plus, I'm sure you have important things to say too. Maybe if someone hears this, they can help you find your mum. Did you file my police report? Yes, I did. Uh, but you know what I said about the local authorities here? Mm-hmm. There's a reason you're using the emergency radio. Can't you just leave? Go talk to the authorities somewhere else? Easier said than done. Well, I can pass on whatever you say when I leave here. Then maybe they'll send someone to help you. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they will. Are you sure there isn't anyone I can call for you? I know you said your dad's... Yeah, but maybe like an aunt or an uncle or something? An older sibling? No, sorry, I am... Um, I don't have anyone. I'm, I'm just going to wait until my mum is found. I can go somewhere else if I'm intruding. No, 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 no. No, it's it's okay. It's it's safe here. Far enough away from the town. You're welcome to stay here. For a little while, at least. Uh, there's a kettle and an outhouse and, and... Yeah. I can bring you anything you need. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. I, I didn't catch your name yesterday. S- sorry, if you don't want to say, well, the radio's on. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's okay. Uh, I know no one from town's listening. How come? They would have confronted me about it already. Ah. It's January. Johnson. Um, you're welcome to sit in here while I have the radio on, or, or if you want to... Uh, can I ask a question? The- Another question, sorry. Yeah, yeah, go go for it. Um, where... Uh, are you vaping? Oh, um... Yes. Is that your question? <laughs> no, um, no, I, I just wanted to ask, like, um, where are we? I, I don't remember seeing a town here on the map, and I don't remember seeing anything but the valley, and I'm confused about what you were saying last night. I, I'm sorry. Oh, don't, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Really, don't be sorry. It's difficult to be alone in a new place at the best of times, especially when the new place is here. So, we're in a little valley town called Ethics, population of no more than 10,000. 
It was founded in 1919 by R. McBride as a sort of governmental experiment. A place where people didn't have to adhere to the general ruling of the British government. They wanted to see what would happen if a society was given the chance to start fresh. No inbuilt morality passed down from Parliament, or the Bible, or anything. Instead, what we have here is this kind of, this kind of thinly veiled autocracy. Anyone in town can come to the council and make proposals. Uh, proposals about what rules we should implement in town. At any time. But the final decision about what does and does not become law is down to a single person. The mayor. That's what I thought you said, but I didn't believe it. That's a horrible idea. This should be illegal. Maybe. Uh, but no mayor has ever approved a proposal to make our town illegal. Or maybe no one's ever proposed it. It's not like following centuries-old rules is such a great idea, and that's the only alternative. I don't think either is a good idea. So, like, what if someone proposes that murder should be allowed? Then the council will discuss it, vote on it, and the mayor will take their opinions into account and make a final decision. And if they decide murder is legal? Then, technically, it wouldn't be called murder. And murder is, by definition, an unlawful killing. This town's been around for over a century without anything like that happening, until recently. But still, that wasn't exactly legal, even by ethics standards. If the new mayor's so bad, why don't the people just get rid of him? I mean, it's an autocracy, but you said the mayor is still voted in democratically. Aren't you allowed to kick him out of office? Well, revolution isn't exactly illegal here, but it's more complicated than that. Once the mayor's been voted in, there's only two ways to get rid of them. They can essentially abdicate the position to someone, and if this new person also wins majority in a vote, they become the new mayor. Or they die. That's, um, impractical. You're telling me? Yeah, sorry, you have to live here. Well, you don't have to, um... Uh, that, that, that's complicated. Do you want to, um, the, the radio... Uh, right, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, sorry, yes, yes. <clears throat> okay. Roger's trial was held today. In traditional ethics style, anyone with a unique viewpoint was encouraged to come forward and express it in court. Uh, Artemis, in court, here we have a judge, like you would back home, only their ruling isn't final. It's just like the council. Whatever decision is made by the judge is really just guidance for the mayor. Rogers had already made a statement prior to his hearing about what he believed to have happened. He said their boat got caught up in the storm. They tried to evacuate, and while doing so, Dean's sleeve got caught in the winch. It chewed up and spat out his arm before Rogers even had time to react. It was all he could do to get his injured co-captain into the dinghy and to try his best to stem the flow of blood from his exposed shoulder joint. As hours turned into days, both men's conditions worsened. It became clear Dean was going to die of blood loss, so to put him out of his misery, Rogers took his life with the pocket knife, then ate part of his leg. Well, I imagine waited a little while, and then ate part of his leg. This was one of the views expressed in court today, not by Rogers, but by his attorney, Victoria. She claimed that what happened was a case of voluntary manslaughter, 
meaning Rogers did intend to kill Dean, but that his doing so should be considered a drastic measure. Victoria reasserted that Dean had lost his arm due to an unfortunate encounter with the winch, despite this remaining unproven by the forensics report. She claimed this proved the stab wounds Dean had sustained were an act of kindness. Had Rogers not acted, Dean would have bled out slowly over the course of several hours. He was merely putting a friend out of his misery. And then, once Dean was already dead and Rogers had been afloat for days, it would have been foolish not to use his body for sustenance. Rogers was a desperate man driven mad by his situation. He's, he's not a killer. He just did what he had to do. If he hadn't taken Dean's life, they'd both be dead right now. This wasn't the only view put forward today, however. Addy Ray Armstrong, the mayor's advisor, made a case for first-degree murder. She drew attention to the fact that the post-mortem report did not confirm Dean's arm had been torn off by the winch, as well as that it did confirm Dean had been dead for four days by the time his body washed up. That's three days of bleeding out from his exposed shoulder. Three days of enduring freezing sea salt and driving rain pelting against his exposed muscle and bone. Three days of wishing he would die, begging, perhaps, whilst Rogers did nothing. If it was really a mercy kill, why wait so long? She, uh, she said, she said. Three days was also ample time for Rogers to put together a plan. Without food, water or dry clothes, three days could seem like an eternity. It's more than enough time to consider your own mortality. More than enough time to come to the realization you're willing to kill to preserve your own life. At some point, he must have begun to suspect that only one of them would make it out of this predicament alive. Why shouldn't it be him? Then it was just a case of acting on his impulse and, well, he already had a knife. Perhaps, at this point, Dean was already bleeding out from his shoulder socket, or, or perhaps, in a fit of dehydrated mania, Rogers hacked it off before stabbing him. Either way, Rogers had committed murder, and Addy believed he should have been charged appropriately. And, and then there was the mayor, putting forward his own point of view. He claimed... God, he's so stupid. He claimed Rogers was innocent. I think maybe he's, he's feeling guilty? Remorseful? Why wouldn't he after what he did? He's clinging to his good guy persona, despite the fact that it's becoming rapidly clear that won't last long in ethics. The more intricate he makes his facade, the more apparent it will be when it cracks. But to argue that a cannibal and a murderer is innocent... The mayor said something like this. Rogers was being tortured, stranded. No land in sight, no food, no water, no plausible exit strategy. When a person finds themselves in that position, we tend to excuse any behavior normally categorized as unlawful. What he did was effectively an act of self-defense. He shouldn't be charged with any offence. 
The proposal was admittedly well received, though not well supported. People did see it as him taking a benign view of the situation, even if the thought of a cannibal being let loose on the streets turned their stomachs. Thankfully, the judge ruled in favour of Victoria, and that was enough to sway the mayor. He relented and settled for a charge of voluntary manslaughter with a sentence of minimal prison time and a lot of therapy. But still, the fact that he was just happy to let a murderer go. What was he thinking? Probably that he wouldn't be the only killer in ethics anymore. Let's say, even, that this was completely out of character for Rogers, as it does seem to be. Would anyone ever treat him fairly again? Can you imagine being the man who was known for murder, decimation of a corpse, and cannibalism? What do you think, Artemis? Sorry? What do you think of all this? I think this is all really weird. You're clearly a council member, right? I don't want to offend you. No, 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 it, it, it's okay. Go ahead. All right. You brought a man who's recently experienced an unbelievable amount of trauma into the courtroom to relive it in front of your town's leaders. Even his own attorney was arguing in front of him that he was a purposeful killer. That's not right, <laughs> even if it's true. Roger should have had more time to recuperate with intermittent psychological evaluations to assess his mental state. I don't know what conclusions should have been drawn in court, but I think it's stupid to have a judge when their ruling doesn't even matter. Why not just make the mayor the judge, then at least he'd have a jury and the pressure wouldn't be so intense. <laughs> that would be novel, wouldn't it? You're very astute, Artemis. How old are you? Fifteen. Thinking of going into politics? I want to be a professional mountain climber. But if that doesn't work out, politics is my second choice. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do a lot of good for a lot of people, I think. I am so sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry you've ended up here. I, I'm so sorry your mum is missing. I'm, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's not your fault. She probably just got lost on the way back to our tent. She'll come and get me. Or the police will find her. Yeah, yes, uh, uh, of course. And uh, thank you for letting me stay here. Um, if I'm any trouble, I, I can't find no, somewhere no, no, else. No, no, so. it's no trouble. It's dangerous down there. We'd, we don't want you getting wrapped up in whatever horrendous trouble the mayor's going to cause next. I still can't believe he let the doctor kill that patient. And after all that talk about no special treatment, oh, that's horrible! Yeah. Awful of him to have lied like that. I'll let you finish up the broadcast. The broadcast? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> to lie to her.
until I find somewhere safe for her to go. She, she's just a little girl. It's too much. If you don't care about the town, then fine. God, at least send someone for the girl. And, um, one more thing. It's stupid. It, God, it's stupid. I'm, I'm overtired. That's all it is. I just, it's gnawing at me. I don't remember ethics ever having a beach. Town is a member of the Faustian Nonsense Network. This episode, you heard Reese Lawton as January Johnson and Liz Dokakina as Artemis Flynn. It was written and produced by C.L. Hendry with sound design by Kai Willem Pritchard and theme by Mix Idol. If you're enjoying the show, you can leave us a tip on Kofi or follow us anywhere on social media at Ethics Town Pod. Thank you for listening. This program was brought to you by a network of dedicated artists with creative souls just like just like yours, 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 yours. yours Faustian yours, nonsense. Thanks yours, you for your patronage. Yeah. Just like yours. What if you finally achieved your greatest dream, only to become less human than a machine? Karen One Percent, a sci-fi musical audio drama by Bossy Adam. I can only offer you a snapshot of my life, spoken and written in quiet moments of reflection. But I would not judge you harshly if by the end of this, you feel as if you know me in ways that I myself am not ready to face. Meet Karen James, a rookie government agent in 2040s Brooklyn. The music and prose in her audio journal tell the story of how her AI projects change her and the world forever. If we are to understand our present, the past cannot be a secret whispered in far off corridors. If our agency and if our country are to persist beyond the impulses of men who collect information as a means to power, you must know more than just the existence of an agent, Karen James. You must know Karen 1% and how she came to be. This volume is the fruition of my last resort. Karen 1% is available now on your favorite podcast platform. Ooh.